welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, I'm Michelle. I'm Zena. It's the day of the Camden Fringe launch party today as we're recording this and hopefully shortly to publish. It's 7.39am. It's 7.39am. I've been awake for three hours. Um, panicking? I'm not panicking, just thinking about all the things I had to do. Uh, you got some raffle tickets? Got some raffle tickets. Oh, well done. I don't know. I probably will fall asleep about half an hour into the Camden Fringe launch party. But we'll yeah. report back on that next week. Yeah, I wonder if I'll lose my voice again, because every year I lose my voice about half an hour into the Camden Fringe launch party. You probably will then. Some sort of weird psychosomatic thing of I just can't speak to any more people thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. This week on the podcast, Zena has not lost her voice. We're talking to Jackie Moore, who is someone we've known for a while, and she's a very impressive person. She's had lots of careers in the arts, which we discuss. And she currently runs the Beggars Theatre in Millham, which is, she's not allowed to say it's in the Lake District, it's in Cumbria. But it's a very sort of little remote theatre, which she's breathed amazing life into. It's a flourishing venue. An awful lot with it, yep. Yeah, so we're talking to her about jobs in the arts and approaching venues that are not London venues, not Camden Fringe venues. Hello, welcome. This is Jackie, our guest today, Jackie Moore. Hiya. Jackie, where are you today? I'm in my theatre in Cumbria, in Millam in Cumbria, the Beggars Theatre. And we thought it would be really interesting to talk to you today because you have done so many different things in your life, haven't you? I'm just writing a list here. You're an actor, uh-huh. producer, you worked uh-huh. as a promoter, you run a venue, you do touring stuff, you work with comedians a lot. You have been an agent? I have been an agent, yes, indeed. I've worked with agents as well. And I run youth theatre as well and write plays. Basically everything. So I thought it'd be really good to talk to you about your career because it's quite inspiring, really, all of the different things that you do. Thank you very much. That's lovely. I am 93, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) To fit all those things in, looking well. (laughs) Did you go to like a drama school? How did you get started? I did a, a BTEC National Diploma in Performing Arts, but then I um, went off to Central School of Speech and Drama and I did BA Honours in Drama and Education, which was the same degree that like French and Saunders and people did. <laughs> Kept getting told, Jackie, it is not the acting course. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> on there, I, I kind of did a lot of the education and things and um, obviously had a lot to say. And But I also did quite a bit of acting because we all had to do like an IPP at the end, which was an individual personal project or something. And we had to direct a piece of theatre. So I directed Midsummer Night's Dream, but I was also in lots of other people's theatre shows. And then I ended up teching quite a lot as well. So I kind of learned quite a lot through that process, even though when you're at college, you don't think you learn much, do you? <laughs> you well, you don't, but you learn loads, don't you? Because you, you, yeah. you just get stuck in and do stuff at the moment. Ricky Sunak's talking about rip off degrees where people don't get mm. very well paid jobs afterwards. But actually, 
all degrees you learn something don't you even if it's just how to study or how to live or how to yeah how to budget or how to live and work three jobs at the same time but um it's also how I run my youth theatre funnily enough and it's not to make actors it's because I I value the process of theatre and the arts and drama and performance etc in everyday life because especially where I am up in up in the Lake District or Western Lake District where I'm not allowed to say we're in the Lake District it's a very kind of small rural place you know I mean when I went to drama school my dad was like over my dead body who do you think you are and then when I left everyone was like oh my god and then she's been on the telly yet and it was a bit Mm -hmm. like that but that's not what it's all about is it it's about a multitude of things as we've all proven in my youth theatre you know I've got kids that went and did a law degree and are doing really well in local businesses I've got a guy who is now flautist he's doing really really well down in London I've got somebody who went and did a drama degree but then I've also just got people that just went to work and then had the courage to actually do things that they they didn't have before so that's what it's about and also about working together and and being empathetic to other people because I think especially in small places a lot of people grow up and it's like it's very narrow-minded it's everything's black and white but I think the arts bring so much to an individual and give you so much opportunity to explore yourself express yourself and experience other things and I think sport gets a lot of credit for that but I think drama doesn't get enough credit for that Mm, yeah Rishi Sunak definitely seems to think that it's all about the end product which is making money and he doesn't value the art or the process Mm. or the the creativity at all not at all I mean it's like schools isn't it you know it's all focused on what results are at the end I didn't get any exam results really I'm not very clever do you know what I mean I didn't do a levels I spent most of my school life on the hockey field or in the netball courts and there was no drama in the 70s 80s it was all just I did sport so I'm like sport or drama that's me you know but as a result you know ask me to do something yeah of course I will ask somebody else to do something that's got like 24 a levels oh, I can't do that. I can only do this. That's what we're missing by knocking all these things out. And I think in terms of when you say about making money and end product, everything's a process. Life's a process. You know, if you can't fail, you can't learn. And it's like all the shows at the Camden Fringe. They've got to be put on. And and even a piece of theatre isn't an end product, is it? It's a journey, Mm -hmm. whether it runs for a week, one night, three weeks, three months. It's never the same. It's always a journey. And that's what I think is the beauty of the arts, really. Mm. Um, and I think Rishi Sunak could learn a lot from that. <laughs> he could, but he bloody won't, will he? He won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so when you left Central, what was the thing that you did after that? Edinburgh. I'd um, run a hotel when I was at college doing my BTEC. So I'd worked in pubs. I'd worked in Tesco. I'd done all sorts of different things. So basically, I've never, ever not had three jobs. It's just the way it is, isn't it? I mean, I'm working Mm. class. You don't not work, do you? If you can get a job, you get a job. When I worked during the day, I also worked during the night in a bar or a nightclub or something. Or when I went to college, I also worked. So when I left drama school, I went up to Edinburgh. um, And I thought, because I've never been before. Um, because I mean, Millam's a tiny little place, you know, it's so blooming insular. So mm. um, off I went and to the Gilded Balloon. And of course, we met up with Karen Corrin and she looked at my CV and she said, oh, no, you're not doing front of house. You're running the studio. So I ended up running the studio, which was kind of like it was when it was on Cowgate. 
And it was like the tightest little venue. It was the busiest venue, but it had like... Is that the one that burned down? That was the one that burnt down. It was next to Late and Live. Yeah. And it had like a cafe bar downstairs. And then you'd, the press office was on the right. And then Karen's office was up the stairs. And there was a toilet. And then there was a very thin corridor into the studio that had some um, dressing rooms and fire escape out the back. Basically, she put the fear of God in me by saying everything had to run on time. You've got 15 minutes in between each show, as we all know. Every show has to have a turnaround. It has to be ready. And you have to get the audience back in in time for the next show. And you cannot, cannot be late. So um, I ended up taking her at her word. I mean, I was 27 and running it to the second. Basically, we had Tommy Tin and Jason Byrne, Johnny Vegas, Tina C that was always sold out, a drag artist, and the Gadflies, and then amongst other things. So basically, the Gadflies finished about five, six in the morning. But I started about 11 o'clock in the morning. And I went right the way through for a whole month. And then we'd go to the last act at Late in Live after that. And then I'd go on to the Penny Black. Is it called the Penny Black? Yeah. The Horseman's Pub at seven o'clock in the morning. Then we'd get home at nine and then I'd get back up and go back to work at 11. So it was a yeah. bit like that. So that's that was how it worked. And I met so many incredible people. But because Johnny Vegas and Tommy Tiernan and Jason Byrne were so popular, basically all the great big names of comedy used to sneak in the back. So basically that was a great grounding to start in this industry, I think, because you had to boss around people that you see on the telly by saying, no, you can't come in. Yes, you can come in, all this kind of stuff. Make sure that people finished on time and got out. You know, I mean, I once had a row with Jimmy Carr because he, in a different venue, because he wouldn't get off stage after his show. Same mm. with Peter Kay as well. And he um, he used to laugh at me because he was like, oh, Jack is in the wings. I better hurry up and get off. You know, it was all that kind of thing. I kind of got known for being a bit um, hard. When you're doing that, you have to sort of run it like a sergeant major, don't you? Because mm. if one show runs over, especially near the start of the day, it knock on effect for the entire day. And also, especially in, I mean, I'm sure the, the Camden Fringe like that now because you've got lots of different venues, but it's like, if somebody's coming from another venue, I mean, you you guys remember when you were in Edinburgh, you could have been over at the assembly rooms and then you're running down to the Gilded Balloon and you've got 10 minutes to get to the next show. Well, if that one's running late, there's no chance, you know. We all lost weight in Edinburgh every single year. That was the big joke, wasn't it? Because we, we just ran because taxis just got stuck and it was just yeah. the way it was. So you just had to do that. And then, yeah, so that's how I started, really. And then when I left there, I had secured myself a TIE project, as you do. And I went off on tour with that until Christmas Eve. So I finished Edinburgh and then I think I had a couple of days off, went off on tour, came back for Christmas Eve. And then Johnny Vegas's agent, Steve, rang me up and asked me to be his tour manager for his tour, which started the week after Christmas. So I had a week off at Christmas. And at that time, I didn't have anything secure. So I was like, uh, oh, uh, I don't want to be out of work. So I did it. And as I just said to you earlier, don't be good at something you don't intend to do, because I then spent 10 years managing comedians <laughs> and, and working in the comedy industry, which was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I went up there to be an actor and came away mm. as a everything else. But it was great. And then if I go to Edinburgh this year, it'll be my 27th Edinburgh. And do you think going up there to be an actor and coming away something else? Certainly, I've found myself doing a lot of things that I didn't quite intend to do because do you think it's a working class thing of, you know, you just, you, you can't faff around spending ages sort of setting your career up because you've just got bills to pay and you end up doing things and sidelining your own creative stuff? Yeah, 100%. 
I feel like it is a bit like that because we, my mum wasn't going to fund me. My mum and dad were not, well, they weren't going to fund me at 27 anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they certainly, were, they certainly weren't going to fund me arty-farty stuff as what they would call it. I didn't want to just work in a bar. I mean, I worked in a bar loads. I worked, you know, in lots of different bars in London and et cetera. But I didn't want to just do that and then wait for the next role. Because equally, at that time, Northern accents weren't in and I wasn't the most beautiful girl on the circuit. So I wasn't your Juliet. So I think I just took it, went with it, ran with it. But you still have kept acting on the back burner the whole time. Were you in Coronation Street recently? I was in Coronation Street. I auditioned for them last week as well. And um, I was in a play in March as well, up here in the north, um, which sold out. And that was excellent. That was great fun. I directed a piece of theatre at home in my own theatre. And it's funny because we went home the first night and Derek, my husband, he says to me, you do realise you just realised your dream. And I've run this theatre for nearly 15 years. And I said, my dream is to sell out theatre because I can sell out comedy. I can sell out music, but selling out theatre, you know, what it's like. And I went, what? And he said, you just sold out theatre and it was your production. 500 people came to watch it over two wow. nights and um, I directed it and I was like oh my gosh that's yeah I did so what I'm trying to do now is get back into acting I've got an agent and everything again and I've done the bay and I've just auditioned for Macbeth as well um, and I've auditioned last week again for Corrie and I've auditioned for other things Emmerdale and all of that I've just done an advert but again you're squeezing it in around other things aren't you because what you're saying as far as you know I don't want to give anything up and um, hope that it might kick off but equally I love creating that's what I do I love being in the theatre I love doing the lighting I love doing the sound I love setting up the chairs I just love every part of it it's just amazing I suppose what the nice thing is about the way you've managed your career is that you have then given yourself wiggle room to go if I need an audition that's fine I can go and do that because you're not employed by anyone you're you're self-employed so you can go right I'm off yeah. I mean, I've got Cassie, who's actually in the office with me now. I mean, she's been with me for eight years now and she does the admin, you know, she does all the marketing and stuff like that, which is amazing. And so with the kids, with the youth theatre, because that's finished now, we did three productions last week. We just got some funding amazingly for the first time. I mean, I've been running a youth theatre for 18 years, nearly 19 years. And I, last year was the first year I took a salary. And what I had to do other than that was go into colleges and schools and do projects that then paid me Mm -hmm. the standard rate in order for me to carry on running a venue (laughs) um, that sold out. But because of the bills and it wasn't funded, but we've just got our first big, big, big funding, um, 328 grand over three years to pay salaries and running costs because they don't really pay that. They don't pay revenue. Um, and it'll dwindle out and I've got to have more in place. So I've had to do all the fundraising. So now we've been able to bring other people in, not necessarily full time, but yeah, you're right to be able to do things. And actually I'm in my hometown. I just say to people, Hey guys, I'm going on Corrie next week. The theater will be short. And they go, Hey, brilliant. We'll get our tickets. (laughs) And it's that simple. So being your own boss is quite cool. Yeah. And also you can work from anywhere, can't you? You don't have to be sat in this office. I've got Spain in a week, but I'll be working. Still carry on emailing and doing and programming. Yeah, it's good being able to sort of be flexible, isn't it? And sort of just keep lots of plates spinning. You've got to keep the plates spinning. I wish we didn't sometimes. Don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely shattered this morning. Um, But again, that's a beauty. I can come in late. Whereas if I had a job in Tesco or something, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that, would I? I wouldn't be able to just not turn up. 
So if a Camden Fringe show had a successful run in Camden and they decided, yeah, this this really works, we're going to tighten it up and take this show on tour, what advice would you give them? Um, I think if they can get funding, always get funding. And I think if they're going for funding, they should contact venues in their area that they know, if possible, that will make it easy for them to be able to kind of recommend that they'll let them on to perform. Because I think venues do want people to perform. They just need to make mm-hmm. sure they're not going to lose money. My thought behind it all is that if I'm selling out Rich Hall one week and then not making money on a piece of theatre the following week, I will definitely put that piece of theatre on. And I think most venues will think like that. So don't be scared that that won't happen. I think obviously start reasonably small and don't worry if it doesn't sell the hundreds of seats or 30 seats or whatever, because your audience needs to build, especially if you're new. Um, and the other thing I would say is rural touring. Rural touring is amazing. I know it's, it's hard work for big companies, but for smaller companies, you know, you get a guaranteed fee from them because they're funded. And a lot of it's village halls, but quite a lot now they're taking on bigger venues. But it's about the audience. It's about building your audience, it's about word of mouth, about getting reviews. And when I say reviews, I don't mean by The Guardian. I mean by um, rural touring, make sure you send out forms and then people write on it and then they plug it out. And then it's it's a big uk production you know what i mean and and then other people see it and venues hear about it but i i think go to your local venue go to our venue and say look really want to put this on can you help me do it i mean i'm definitely hoping to help some people put some theater on next year from my point of view because i look at it from every angle i don't look at it from money making angle and you would hope that a lot of regional venues would think in the same vein if I can make money out of one show and not make it out of the other, I haven't lost anything. As long as I'm not paying them a thousand pounds and then that's a thousand pounds out of my pocket every week, that's a nightmare. But if you can come to a deal and, a, and an understanding and um, work together on the marketing, I, I think it's very important that I work with the acts coming in on marketing and and say to them, look, I think this is the best way. And that it, you might have come from London or whatever, and and you've seen how one of the bigger venues works and you're like well why don't you do this and so once it doesn't really work for us we know that this works for our venue and you've got to listen to the venue manager but they've got to listen to you as well and and I think it's important to create a partnership personally. So is rural touring is it lots of little independent networks that exist for or is there one big company called rural touring who do all of them there's one big company called rural touring scheme okay. national rural touring scheme i think it is and they've got one in scotland i think they've got one in wales so for example there's two in cumbria there's one on in the west where i am called arts out west and there's one on the east called highlights and then you've got cheshire and you've got lancashire and you've got all of those and they're all over but they've got one big website and they do dance, they do music, they do theatre, they do some comedy. They bring in shows from abroad. I don't know how that's working since Brexit. Um, we've had some amazing stuff from like Canada and places. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and people love it because um, it's not too large scale for them. Obviously, it's better if you haven't got, a, you know, you're touring, so you don't want to be uh, bringing masses around a set. But it's not the end of the world if you if you have got a a half decent set um I mean we've got quite a lot of stairs but we always help them bring it up (laughs) but yeah I mean I'm so open to new writing new companies and I think I think it's the way forward for theatre because I think there's a lot of theatre out there that is 
putting star names in just to sell them, just to make the money. And I think sometimes that's just made theatre go down that different route of commercialised. It's a little bit like what's happened with publishing, isn't it? Hmm. Everyone's writing a book. Yeah. Whereas you really just want to read a good book, don't you? You don't necessarily think, I want to read a book by a famous person. So, um, so yeah, and I, I do think that venues need, need, need to be more open-minded. And, and I think they probably are. And work more together as well. Because what I say to people is, what have you got booked in so far? Because let's work with your routing. Because it's a bloody long way up to here, you know what I mean? Mm. And I'm saying, if you're coming up north anyway, talk to me. And let's try and fit in with what you've already got booked. Not long ago, a lot of venues were like, well, if you're playing there, you can't play here because it's too close. And that's not how it works. That is not how it works. If you've got a show on, share it with the venue up the road because actually it's better for the act, it's cheaper for everybody, and more people get to see that play. All right, five people might not come to your venue because they can go closer venue, but that doesn't really mean that you're not going to get other people. And the other thing is you share the publicity. Share publicity, tweet each other all the time, share everybody's tweets. If somebody says something good about a piece of theatre that you've, a company that you've had or you know, then share it because then everybody gets to see about it or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I think long gone are the days where you hide your homework, as I like to call it. I think sharing is the way forward. And I think the more people that share, the better the arts will be. You know, I mean, we've got loads more comedians up in Cumbria from opening up and saying to venues doesn't matter somebody from Millham isn't going to go all the way to Kendall so let's have them on board you know if, if somebody comes to me I say have you tried the, the old fire station at Carlisle because it's so far away nobody's really going to travel that far yes we do get people from Carlisle come you know if it's on in both places it doesn't matter it's good so if someone was contacting you out of the blue about their new play how would you expect them to approach you I think it'd be great if they just sent you sent in a hello, just very casual. I'm not very formal personally, as you know, but um, hi, how are you? I've just done the Camden Fringe. I heard you on the Camden um, podcast or whatever, or I know Zena or I know Michelle and they suggested, or I've heard that you put theatre shows on. I'm wondering if you'd be interested in this. i tell you what would be good. I think it might be quite nice if you invited people to the shows. And I know we can't always go to them all, and that's frustrating because it is, if I've seen a show, you can guarantee I can sell it better. But, you know, I'd love to come to the Camden shows. I don't know if I'm going to get down to London in the next few weeks, but I would love to come and see as many as possible because I do love it. And if you've got a clip, great, but I don't think it's great to see the whole show on video. Mm-hmm. Somebody just said, well, we're going to send the whole show. And I'm like, live shows on video are not always brilliant, are they? But I know it does yeah. give you an essence, but send a good clip. And also reviews, send reviews. Reviews are good because if, if somebody says, especially a human person, so not just the paper. So if somebody in the audience, you know, I think it's a good idea to have um, not necessarily a feedback form, but a way of feeding back. I tend to do Q&As with a lot of my theatre as well because the audience are astounded, especially one one person shows and how they can remember all the lines and stuff like that. But they like to know where it's come from and why why they did it and all of that ground thing. It's dead good. And quite often I use quotes from audiences on Facebook or Twitter or they'll drop me an email or they'll drop me a message and I keep them and I use them because I think if another normal human being has said that, then I'll listen. And I, and I think that's quite important. So if you can collect all that and send that off to the place where you want to put it on, yeah, great. 
And do you look at people's like photos and publicity material? Because obviously if they've already done the show, they've got some. Is that a good way of judging whether a show is any good or not? It isn't. It isn't. Don't you find? Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it's not great publicity, in my opinion. And I think, do you know what? I've said to people before, I'm not sure that publicity really sells that show because that show was much better than that publicity. Mm. And I think that's why we didn't get many people in. So I think they need to think about yeah. that, really. But, you know, I mean, I'm no expert. No, but you are, because think... you're doing it. You're, you're, you're dealing with it every day. Yeah, and I think people have great ideas. And I think sometimes great ideas get a bit carried away. And they're yeah. not really selling a show. I think, yeah, some people, they're selling something that they know about the show, whereas they should be selling the show to people who haven't got any involvement in it and don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they understand themselves and their friends understand them but nobody yeah. else yeah. understands them. And it's like I always say to my youth theatre kids, the most important thing in theatre is listening. And I think if you're listening to your audience and what they say, don't take it as criticism or whatever, but just listen because that's what's going to make it better. That's what's going to make more people want to see it. Think about what they're saying and use that for publicity. Don't tell people what you want them to believe. Tell them what people have seen believe or what it actually, yeah, what the truth Anything that you want to plug? Oh, Beggar City is in Cumbria and it's just a beautiful little venue. So if you're ever up here, please do come and visit us. I met a lady last night who was an actor who had gone to see Emily the same as me. And we, we, we chatted in the toilet and then we sat together in the end. And um, and then she said, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I've got a theatre. And then she said, oh, I'm, I'll come see your theatre now. And then it turns out they're up here next weekend anyway. And they didn't even realise it was that close. And they're probably going to come and see Patty Boulay. Oh, that's a good toilet story. Uh, we've got um, a celebration of Simon and Garfunkel this Saturday, which is doing really well sales. And then Patty Boulay. <laughs> I love Patty. She's been before and she, she did a show called um, Aretha and Me, Aretha Franklin Music. This one's all about Diana Roth. And so it's called I'm Coming Out. And she's got the most amazing voice. So, yeah, I'm doing all of that, really. What's your website? Beggarstheatre.com. Simple. And Twitter and Facebook. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. This was your life. You. <laughs> God, I, I feel like during that interview, we, we stopped talking about careers because we got off on a tangent, didn't we? We could have talked to her for such a long time about all of the different roles that she's had. Yeah, I feel like we barely, barely touched on a lot of them. Yeah, um, but she, we did talk about rural touring, which she recommended. And if you're interested in that, next week's episode we have a lot more detail on that, as we are speaking to Holly Lombardo, who is part of the World Fringe Network, but also part of the rural touring scene. Lots of interesting opportunities to be had there. Excellent. Thanks for listening. Next time we record a podcast, the Camden Fringe will probably have started. Dun, dun, dun. Camdenfringe.com. Bye. Bye.